0: like marriage and divorce, kids in college, Show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in.
1: And welcome to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara, and I am alongside Sean Kelly of the Marcotte Law Firm in Lowell, Massachusetts. Today, how you doing, Sean?
2: Wonderful. Thank you, Justin, and uh, thank you for having me today.
1: My pleasure. I know you're. Uh, I know you're a bit of a veteran of, of WCAP here. I did just want to. I want to throw out here. This is going to be a pre-recorded show, as you know, as most of our regular listeners probably know. I do coach soccer uh, in the fall and usually the spring, and so the the 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. WCAP runtime doesn't often uh, work for me. So, Coach Justin is on the field right now, uh, and uh, the, it, it, as you're hearing this, uh, but we'll give out our contact information. A bunch here along the way. If you have any questions, if you want to shoot us an email, uh, you can email us questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. No live callers because again, we are pre-recorded. Um, but Sean, why don't you start out uh, by telling us? Oh well, uh, a, a bit more on the intro. We'll um, we're going to be talking mostly about bankruptcy today. I, I know that, that's our topic for the day, and that's why we have Sean on. So, but why don't we start with your bio and uh, you know where you work and and how you ended up in this uh, in this business?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. Um, it, it should be a fun couple hours. Uh, yeah. So in, in terms of who I am, uh, I'm an attorney out in Lowell. I work for the Marcot Law Firm, uh, which is at 10 George Street. We used to be downtown um, at 45 Merrimack Street, but we recently relocated to George Street. Um, and it's it's a decent-sized firm. There's uh, who was formerly five attorneys? We we recently lost our namesake, unfortunately. That's uh, Mister Albert Marcotte. I'm sorry uh, so hear that. oh yeah, but there's there's four of us now. He had a long and, and illustrious career. So uh, great guy. Um, but we've continued on, and 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 we're doing well. Um, so we're in in Lowell. Um, in terms of who I am for the firm, I do a uh, a good portion of well actually all of our bankruptcy work um our firm itself though we handle a variety of cases we do personal injury is is really what what we're known for so that's um injury work um, regarding automobile accident people who are injured at work things like that we also do uh some social security disability okay and um, obviously bankruptcy, and that's why I'm here. So uh, we we handle a a variety of different stuff. Um, How I got into this work, into the bankruptcy field, um, I I graduated from, well, I did my undergrad at the University of New Hampshire, went on, uh, did some graduate work there, uh, got my master's at the University of New Hampshire, did my uh, Juris Doctorate at Syracuse University, and I was- yeah, and I was on my own for a few years uh, prior to joining Marcotte, and uh, I had been working closely with a, a practitioner who uh, is really well known in the bankruptcy area, and he would it he kind of helped uh, groom me and, and show me how to how to work it because it, it's it's a real funny area and it's it's very uh, statute specific, and not all attorneys do it, so it's. Uh, you gotta go with someone who who's, who's kind of seen the ropes and knows what they're doing in the bankruptcy court so yes
1: I, I get the sense that yeah, yeah. There, there aren't uh, you know we know a lot of attorneys obviously just you know through our business uh, yeah. you know up on, you know down the south shore up and up here on in, uh, in the Merrimack Valley and I, I, I would got to say we don't know many bankruptcy attorneys it does seem it's not like it, I think it's it's not like a state planning where where most attorneys might get involved in some amount of it it's you're saying it's it's pretty much a specialty
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I would say that's fair to say um, There's, so first of all, you have to have a special bar to, to, to be, to work in the bankruptcy court, right? So uh, in Massachusetts, to, to practice any type of law, you have to be barred in the state of Massachusetts. However, to practice in the bankruptcy court uh, because it's a federal court, you have to have a uh, special basically licensure to, to practice there. So unless you're admitted um, uh, on a, one or two time basis by the court, which you have to specifically petition to do. Uh, But anyways, so that's why it's kind of a specialty practice. It's also like most lawyers don't like, Dealing with numbers, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if that's been your experience, but uh, I feel like every other lawyer I've ever spoken to is like, "Well, I went to law school, so I didn't have to do numbers and financial stuff." Or, that's why yep. I pay people to do that, right? Yeah, so, I hear yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so, more,
1: more conceptual. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so it's a it's a small kind of niche bar, like like you've pointed out. Uh, the people who've been doing it uh, have been doing it. Generally, for a long time, however, the the practice has changed in the past ten years. It's it's all moved online. Uh, so in that sense, it's um, it's it's attracting some younger attorneys like myself um, who are more up to speed on on filing things electronically and and the like.
1: Uh, and by by moved online, you mean the, the process through with the court system is all moved online?
2: Or, yeah, or, or yeah.
1: Marketing of bankruptcy or yeah. I guess, could you be a little more specific on that one?
2: Yeah, it, it's probably both, to be honest. Okay. I mean, the legal profession in general, uh, people don't generally look at billboards and call them and say, hey, that's my attorney, you know? Yeah. Um, although we do, do billboards sometimes, but <laughs> generally, you know, people, people get go to what they see on Facebook and Google, things like that. So th- that covers the advertising stuff. But w- what I was more referring to is the technical aspect, the nuts and bolts of bankruptcy is done all online, ex- uh, almost exclusively online now that you okay. could go down to the courthouse and try to get something from the clerk, but any anything of filing of that nature, you have to file onto this complicated um, federal court system called ECF or Pacer, um, which which again is another reason why you need an attorney to do. It's not something that is very easy to navigate for uh, someone who wants to file a bankruptcy for themselves.
1: Okay, and and I guess because it's all federal law, you could you could could you be working all around the country? I mean, you you can work in what New Hampshire, Maine, and Connecticut, or does that does that differ by state?
2: Yeah it's it's a little different so each district court so New Hampshire has its own United States Bankruptcy Court District of New Hampshire Massachusetts has the United States Bank- Bankruptcy Court District of Massachusetts so I'm I'm licensed in both of those courts so I can't practice outside of those two. So it's actually per state. Now, like California might have multiple bankruptcy courts, which I think if that's the case, if there's multiple bankruptcy courts, then you can get barred in one of them and you can practice in all four, but it doesn't matter for Massachusetts and New Hampshire because there's only one bankruptcy court in each state.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's. Well, thank you for the background. Again, yep. uh, you know what? Let, let me give out your. Uh, so you're. Um, again, your, it's it's marcottlawfirm.com and your phone number is nine seven eight four five eight one two two nine. I'm going to try to give that out a bunch here because we don't have, unfortunately, if we're pre-recording, we don't have the ability to to grab a live caller if they have questions, uh, and you can always shoot us an email if you have a question for Sean. Uh, you can shoot us an email questions at macnamara on money, and uh, I'll be sure to forward it over to him. Okay. So, um, you know, let, let's. Uh, Let's I think we should start with, um, I guess, before you get to bankruptcy, um, you know, and, and you know, can you just give us a is there a is there like a, a common or a, a most common situation that people find themselves in? Or are there a few different situations like who, who are you working with generally and and why are they in that situation? Or is that can you not generalize about that as a two individual?
2: no I, I I can and I can speak to the practice that we do too right yeah uh, because bankruptcy is a big field right okay. um, it, it as you've probably seen in in the news there are uh, big companies that that file for bankruptcy all the time yeah uh, but you or I could theoretically file for bankruptcy or markcott law firm being a four-person law firm um, could file for bankruptcy right so it, it's it's Bankruptcy protection is, is uh, uh, available for a variety of different individuals. The stuff that we do and the, the things that we specialize in are um, dealing with uh, small businesses and with um, individual debtors. And by individual debtors, I mean um, filing for myself or filing for, or let's say, filing for John Smith and filing for John Smith's wife. Uh, in conjunction. Uh, Now, John Smith might own a a company called uh, John Smith Corp, and they could theoretically file for bankruptcy too. Um, So that's the stuff that we really specialize in. Uh, But the bankruptcy field is where it starts to get complicated, or what I like to think of as really interesting is there's also the creditors in each bankruptcy, right? So yeah. they theoretically might get involved in the bankruptcy process too. And that's something that we can get into later, but they, it, there's a lot of times that they may need um, representation and you, someone who's listening today might have, um, you know, uh, been dealing with a contractor or something and uh, the contractor started working and then stopped working. And and now, uh, you know, they have a claim against this person and that person filed for bankruptcy. And uh, they may want to call you know, an office like ours to explore what their rights are as a creditor. You know, what can I do to go after this person? Does it really just stop at bankruptcy? And, and, and sometimes it will, but a lot of people don't realize that that you have rights as a creditor. If you're being listed on the bankruptcy, you have rights that you can pursue in the bankruptcy process. Um, so those are the the kind of three areas that we that we dabble in. We we occasionally represent creditors, but the vast majority of the people who we represent are um, individuals, uh, spouses, and then occasionally uh, smaller businesses.
1: Okay. Yeah, and, and I, I know there are, and I, I assume we'll get into it later. There, there are yeah. many types of uh, many types of bankruptcy. I think you know the the one that we hear probably most uh, prominently in the news is Chapter Eleven, but that is mostly large corporations and and not something that you would personally get involved in. Is that is that a correct statement or not?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that's accurate. So there's, um, there's three, and, and don't let me forget, Justin, I didn't answer your question completely about who's like the average client, which I okay. get into, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, regarding uh, the chapter 11 uh, part, you're absolutely right. Chapter 11 the the big stuff that you see in, um, in the news, you know, Toys R Us, things like that. Okay. Now, now those are, those are generally handled by, um, you know, much larger law firms um, and, and require teams of lawyers and the like. Um, so a, a chapter 11 is a reorganization of assets. Um, and and basically the vast majority of the time, it's a business that's filing. However, most people don't realize this, that an individual can file for a chapter 11, a chapter 11 protection, but they would probably only do so if they had a lot of assets, right? A lot, a lot of assets, things that, uh, you know, the average person in, in Massachusetts would never uh, be able to acquire in a lifetime okay. um, so th- those are the types of things that we don't uh, at chapter 11 uh, you know we're not we're not really involved in but the the two um, the other two are a seven and a 13 and those are uh, kind of a what you would see our average client filing for. Um, And and I'm happy to get into what each of those are. Um, But when we we have someone come into the office, kind of the average client who it is, it's usually someone who has some kind of lien uh, or is at risk of foreclosure of their house. Uh, maybe they've received notice that a creditor is about to have a wage attachment, have an attachment put on their, their wages or on their bank account. Uh, but the big ones are usually a foreclosure or an auctions coming up for their house, or maybe uh, their car is about to be repossessed. Um, so these are the the type of folks who contact us because when the, when the creditor steps in and they start to uh, try to take their property back, that's when it gets that's when it gets really concerning for the person. So that's generally when we get the calls, or we might get a call if the IRS or the um, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts was about to put a lien on the property uh, for unpaid taxes, things like that. Um, so I wish more people would call us sooner than that, but it, it yeah. usually takes an event like that uh, to have us swoop in and, and be able to help.
1: Okay, yeah, I, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably hit a bunch of these yeah. um, questions a few different times during the course of the show, but I mean, is there, I guess one of the questions that I had personally was, was how often, you know, it, it sounds like people are coming to you pretty late in the game. And and maybe that's, um, maybe that's a lesson for everyone out there that you, that, that you should try to get ahead of it a bit more, at least with a, with a consultation with a, with someone like you, Oops, that's my cell phone ringing. Um, but I, I guess my question was how often, are you meeting with a potential client, and then and, and bankruptcy is what you end up recommending to the client, right? I mean, I, I mean, I, I assume that it's not for everybody, and I assume that everyone you speak with isn't, uh, you know, maybe isn't appropriate for bankruptcy, or there are other avenues that they that they maybe should pursue first. Can you give us? I mean, are, I mean, I, I know you. I'm sure you're not keeping this uh, as a tally on on a spreadsheet somewhere, but right. can you give me a sense of how often? Bankruptcy is the is the recommendation from you?
2: Yeah, I I would say that probably 50% of the calls that we get where someone calls us and they say, Look, I have a hearing come up, hearing coming up. They're about to attach to my wages or they're about to foreclose on my house. We end up filing some kind of bankruptcy. Now the other the other 50%. We choose not to for a litany of reasons. Either A, they wouldn't qualify for a bankruptcy um, because either they've filed for bankruptcy um, recently, right? So for a Chapter 7, it's about 10 years, or a Chapter 13, it's seven years. So you can't just keep filing for bankruptcy and receive a discharge. So we have some clients who just can't because it's because of the timing of things. We okay. have other clients who, um, uh, they either don't make enough money or they make too much money. And our suggestion to them is, Hey, look, that the protections you're going to get from the bankruptcies is not, not what you think. Uh, so therefore, um, you know, you can retain us and let us reach out to your creditors and try to get this to go away. And, and that's, that's one of those alternative avenues that we do take from time to time. Okay. Um, And that would be, you know, have us reach out to the creditor to say, hey, look, we know you've been trying to contact the debtor. Uh, They're having some financial troubles. They lost their job because of COVID or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna file. I'm gonna put them through a bankruptcy if uh, you don't accept X amount of dollars from us, which is the most that they can come up with. And 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 sometimes that's right for people um, because everyone's always kind of concerned about like, well, what's what's gonna happen to my credit if I file for bankruptcy and stuff. And it's like. Well, your 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 credit's already in the tank, right? Like, yeah. if you're coming to me and they're about to put a wage garnishment, that same creditor has probably been reporting on your credit report for the past, you know, uh, couple years. So your credit's probably already tanked. Like, the bankruptcy's not going to do that much, you know. Yes, it will stay on your credit report for ten years, but so. And then we have those types of clients who are more adverse to it. Uh, they don't want to file because. Uh, maybe there's a there's a little bit of pride. They're concerned about uh, their ability to work with a certain lender, things like that. Um, so, and in, in that's that's actually usually an initial conversation that we have with the person that, hey, look, there's no shame in bankruptcy, right? Like yeah. the, the, the protections are there for a reason and it's to protect good folks like you um, who've tried to do the right thing and pay back their debts. But the the system is set up for them to fail, particularly with credit cards, right? Like, I I, I yeah. don't know about you, Justin, but the idea of paying back a loan at twenty five percent interest APR is yeah. <laughs> I, I can't I can't do it, you know. Like, it, even if it's a thousand dollar loan, I mean, that's just yeah. it's it's beyond my comprehension. And and the credit card companies are banking on that, right? They yep. they know that that you're not gonna be able to uh, pay that. And there's another quick point, which is that all the credit card companies, they all incorporate themselves um, in Utah for that reason. Because in if they were incorporated in Massachusetts, it would be considered excessive to charge someone twenty seven percent interest, right? Oh yeah, yeah. But they do it. <laughs> but they, but they keep themselves in Utah so they can charge it whatever they want because then they follow the Utah laws, right? So that's why you'll see like American Express and Discover and you know those ones will all be formulated in, um, you know, a Midwest state. Um, okay. So, yeah, yeah, you you
1: hit on one of yeah. This is a it's a, I don't know if you know the McNamara is it's a family radio show, and I, I I don't think my father goes uh, I don't think he goes more than three shows in a row without uh without bashing credit cards and credit card <laughs> interest rates. So yeah, you hit on a <laughs> topic that we uh, we talk about quite a bit on here. So okay, yeah, I mean I, let me see, uh, I have I have a lot of questions written down here. I mean just briefly, let's see how long we have before a break. Okay, we um, get time. Do you you, you mentioned that. Uh, You may make too much or too little uh, for a bankruptcy to work Can you can you just put a little bit more meat on that bone? I mean who who would make too? it would it be you make too little for a bankruptcy to to work for you or I mean I I sort of understand that too much right if your if your income is too high. I, I imagine that, you know, the, someone at the court system is saying, hey, we're not going to let you pay that, you know, we're not going to let you declare bankruptcy, because clearly you have the ability to pay this back in some way. Right, right. right. Um, but how about, how, who, who would make too little for it to, is it too little to make sense or too little to be accepted by the courts? And maybe, maybe we should jump in at some point to, you know, who's making these decisions? Is it, is it a right. judge? And there's, a, there's a formula, but we'll, we'll take that one after this question, I guess.
2: Well, there, there's no, I guess I, I phrased that wrong. The idea that there's this threshold that if you make too little that the bankruptcy court's going to deny your petition, It's they won't do that, right? Okay. And the petition is just the initial filing. It says that you're declaring bankruptcy and it's a, a listing of your assets, things like that. So uh, let me let me kind of uh, parse it out. So there's two types of bankruptcies. There's uh, particularly that that you'll see in, in my my field, which is there's a Chapter Seven and a Chapter Thirteen. A, a Chapter Seven is a complete liquidation of someone's assets. So the idea is is that in a Chapter Seven, if you um, you have all of these assets, right? Uh, you have your house, you have your computer, you have your clothes, your dog's an asset, right? Um, you have a, a variety of different things. In a chapter seven, if that asset is considered non-exempt, so the, the bankruptcy code, uh well, sorry, Massachusetts law and certain federal laws say that certain things are exempt. So that would be a certain amount of equity in your home, a certain amount of livestock. You know, I can go into what those are later. But if it's not exempt under a chapter seven bankruptcy, then uh the the court-appointed official, who's the trustee, can theoretically seize those assets and sell them to satisfy your creditors. Now, a Chapter thirteen is a uh, it's a it's a payment plan, and in the difference, the stark difference between the two, and to which bucket you're going to fall into at chapter seven or a chapter 13 is how much income you make. And to do that, uh, we do this, this long, complicated process called the means test. And the means test is, um, it looks into your, the debtor's income for the past six months, right? And depending on how many uh, heads and beds or people in the household are with the debtor uh, will determine what their, that, that income threshold is. So that's, that's the first thing that we look at. So when I said that if they uh, make too much money, um, you know, I can give you an example. It changes year to year. So bear with me. The, uh, the, the income threshold for Massachusetts is uh, for a family of one it's 70,834. Uh family of two, 90912 family of three, 110,000 family of four, 140,000. So um, and in New Hampshire, those are, um, you know, a little lower. Um, but that's that's the income threshold. So if you if you're if you're one person in your household, if you make above seventy thousand eight hundred and thirty four, they're going to require that you file a repayment plan bankruptcy. So that's the Chapter thirteen bankruptcy. Okay. Now there are other ways that that means test gets changed, right? you can take into account expenses, things like that um, which I'm happy to get into later but the, the, uh, the expenses will take into account you know your groceries, what your uh, mortgage payments are, what your car payments are, things of that nature. And you can see that, that that income gets gets a little lower at that point. so you might actually meet the threshold even though you make over70,000. As long as your expenses bring you back down, um, back down a little. So anyways, if you don't, if you make above that money, if you, if you don't meet the means test um, and you make too much money, essentially they're going to force you into a chapter 13 bankruptcy. Okay. Now, if you make below that amount, right. you, you know can what? Still... Let me, let me yeah, stop you before... there. Cause we're,
1: we're actually up against a break. So before you okay. jump in there, Um, we have got to get going here. So, all right, hey, we're talking to to Sean Kelly of Marcotte Law Firm, and we are up against a break, so we will be right back. Are you ready to get organized? Let's consolidate those old accounts and make sure your investment strategies are appropriate. This is Kirk Reed, a certified financial planner with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Find out more at McNamaraFinancial.com. And we're back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara. I'm alongside Sean Kelly of the Marcotte law firm in Lowell and we are talking bankruptcy today and I I interrupted you before the break here so. um, Again, if uh, any questions we are pre recording today the real me is out there uh, coaching soccer at the moment Uh, so we're going to do a pre recorded show here. Uh, I will be responding to questions if you have any you can shoot us an email questions at McNamara on money if you'd like to reach Sean directly I'm going to give out uh, it's Marcotte law firm. Uh Marcott is M-A-R-C-O-T-T-E and then lawfirm.com. Uh his phone number is 978-458-1229. If you have any questions uh, for him. But all right, so we were getting kind of into the into the nitty-gritty of bankruptcy. And we were talking um chapter seven versus chapter 13. If you could just kind of, you know, I, I know you were uh in the middle of a, you know, some of the income limits uh, that right. you're where you, where you might be forced into one, uh, one chapter or the other. So maybe just kind of reset that conversation. Uh, I think you were, uh, basically on, on chapter 13. I know this is, it's, kind of, it's pretty detailed and it's tough on the radio. So maybe we should, <laughs> maybe we should go over it a couple of times anyway. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think this is, uh, it's, you need a whole crash course just to kind of understand, uh, what the options are. And, and that's, that's, I don't know if this is your experience, Justin, because I know you do financial planning. Yeah. So it's it's when that's the fun part of the job is to realize that there's multiple ways to get to your outcome or yep. to your goal, uh, but it's figuring out which path you're going to take. And that's what bankruptcy is full of a lot of. There's a lot of judgment calls as to like where where you can kind of steer the ship.
1: Yeah, You. Do, I mean, you, you don't I, I mean, this is just me. And I guess I probably would pay as much attention to, um, to kind of financial news. There's not a lot out there, I I don't think. And you just don't come across it that often. I mean, if I if I told you what I'd heard, I would I would say you know you can file for bankruptcy and and they won't take your house. And that's that's almost the extent of what I you know your your house and your car are protected, and then everything else I don't know that you hear much about on a regular basis. So you know especially for someone who's you know who's potentially in a situation where that might come up, I think it is right. a good idea to have you know a, a decent uh you know kind of a a decent sketch out of in their mind of what maybe to expect and and you know where they might sit in these in these various sets of options
2: yeah 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 and it's 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 a I, i gotta say that in all of the fields that i've worked in um this is the field where the clients are most relieved at the end of it right okay so when uh, if you do a divorce or something, you know, everyone's usually still upset at the end of it. Uh, if you do, uh, you know, when uh, people who are horrifically injured and you get them some money, you know, a, a lot of times you'll uh, will hit it big for you. But, you know, there's times when it's just never enough money to compensate these people for their actual injuries. But with you bankruptcy, know? it's like whenever we finish the process, the client is just there's this sense of uh relief, right? That they've had this albatross around their neck for so long and that it's gone, basically, right? Now, they may have to make a few payments or something to their creditors, but it's yeah. a lot better than having your wages attached and trying to pay back a credit card that's at, uh, you know, 26% interest, like we discussed. So um, that's that's the rewarding aspect of it. But um, it, I, I know that we were discussing chapter seven versus chapter 13. And, and this is uh, this is the big the big area, the first thing that your bankruptcy attorney is gonna want to figure out if you're having financial troubles. So the first question yeah. is is right, Actually, like yeah, but, yeah, but go before
1: it. before we get there. I mean, I, I just had a question. You, you know, you have yeah. mentioned having your wages attached several times. Yeah. I just wanted to, you know, just follow up on that just a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if someone's having their wages attached, are they I assume they've already been through some i don't know i guess i don't know if a battle is the right term but if someone is a cha- attaching your wages you have been informed in this and this has probably been something that's been going on for quite a while is that an accurate statement if someone is looking to get a hold of your paycheck it doesn't just come out of the blue is that right right right
2: right 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 and i don't want the people listening to be like oh you know i owe my i'm two months late on my (laughs) amex statement are they about to attach to my wages no this takes them years right like your your average credit card company will um if you stop paying at at Let's say January. It will take them six months before six months of non-payment before they actually sue you. So the earliest they'll probably sue you is six months later, and then in that initial suit, they're claiming that look, uh, Mr. Debtor uh, owes seven thousand dollars. They haven't paid since this date. They then go through the court process. If you fight it. Theoretically, you could have like a jury trial on this or something, but usually the credit card companies are so efficient that they'll get a judgment. So that's a piece of paper from the court saying that you owe $7,000 plus filing fees and interest yep. to the, it, to the, let's say, uh, the credit card company. All right, so after they get that, then they uh, they can receive from the court what's called a um, an execution. And the execution is a slip of paper that allows them to do generally do three things Um, require that you come in for a payment review hearing, attach your wages or attach your real estate, or I'm sorry, four and four would be to uh, theoretically garnish your bank account. Now, those are, So not only are they going to put you on notice of the lawsuit, it's going to take them another six months to try the lawsuit and get the judgment. So before you know it, it's been a year since you last paid on your credit card. And then they have to initiate a new lawsuit to either attach your wages um, or to garnish your bank account or to haul you in for a payment review hearing. So you're right. The process in itself takes a year to a year and a half for them to get to that point. And that's assuming that the collector is quick and that they're able to turn this around quickly. Um, oftentimes, you know, we'll see like four or five years have passed from when the people will even forget about the credit card. And then they'll get notice in the mail of, hey, uh, credit card organization is now trying to attach to your bank account. And they found out that you banked at TD Bank North or something, you know. Okay. Um, so... Um, and then they end up calling Sean and say, hey, Sean, you know, they're about to garnish my bank account or they're about to put a lien on my house. You know, I need your help. And then that's when we swoop in. And, and oftentimes the conclusion that we'll come to is that bankruptcy is right for them. Right. OK.
1: OK. Um, is there a, um, do you see uh, health and health related bankruptcies often as well? Is it usually a credit card or who's the, what's usually the uh, the offender that's that's <laughs> driving people to you?
2: The vast, the vast majority of them are credit cards, right? Okay. Uh, Sadly, uh, more and more often it's uh, health, health, uh, uh, health related. Yeah. Um, So either people weren't insured or they didn't have enough insurance or they have high deductibles within their health plan. Yeah. And they just have a medical emergency that came up and they didn't anticipate. And, um, you know, the, 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 Hospital or the medical provider goes after them individually, and it's just sad. Um, it, it's a funny law that a lot of people don't realize is in Massachusetts and New Hampshire too. If if you have medical debt uh, and you pass, right, your spouse can actually be held accountable for your own medical debt. Um, mm. So, you know, I've handled a, a couple of those cases, um, and it's just it's tragic. You know, like uh, uh, I had a a client whose spouse died in the hospital. Um, and unfortunately they weren't insured. They thought they were insured at the time, but they weren't. And, um, they died. And then the, the husband gets a bill for, or sorry, the surviving spouse gets a bill for, uh, you know, $200,000 and it's like, okay, well, here's what your options are.
1: So, yeah. Especially with, especially with the end of life, you know, the amount of money that's spent end of life, that's, that sounds, uh, right. yeah, potentially scary. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. And, in and, and more so with COVID too, it, what I've noticed is I'm seeing it's just, it's hitting people from all sides. It's high medical bills. Uh, people are, uh, a lot of folks have lost their jobs or have been furloughed for long periods. Um, and the, unfortunately the credit card companies, they, they keep, insisting on being paid. So, um, you know, uh, so I, it, since since 20, what, March of 2020, uh, we've noticed an influx in, in bankruptcies. Um, probably not so much as much as the, the housing crisis of 2008, but, yeah. um, but something more akin to that. I, I think the next few years, we're gonna see a lot of people filing for bankruptcy or seeking bankruptcy uh, protections uh, as a result of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. What's the? Do you? And I I know we've we'll we'll sort of get into we're we we rarely get involved in bankruptcy cases um, because again we're, we're generally working with folks who who have investments. Is there ever not that people who have investments don't file for bankruptcy, but uh, it's just not all that common in our practice to to work with a client who's going through a bankruptcy. It, you know, can we talk just briefly about protected assets? I mean, I, I know you, you know, obviously you read uh, that 401ks and IRAs have various creditor protections. And, and, you know, obviously, um, you know, there, there is, there are some protections for housing as well. I know in the bankruptcy code, is there ever a, this may may just be for my own interest. Is there ever a a strategic bankruptcy where where someone may actually have the assets to pay off a bankruptcy to, to pay off a a, a a creditor but they decide to they decide on bankruptcy i so said i know it would have to probably be a lot of money in order to go through all that hassle but i mean if you're if you have a you know a million dollars in a 401k is am, am i right that it's not attachable through a bankruptcy and and might it might they just be better off filing
2: yeah yeah you you were you were absolutely right so there's um so when I was discussing Chapter Seven earlier, um, what I said was the trustee can grab all non-exempt assets, right, yeah. and that they can force you to uh, sell them. Now that's that's a that's a term of art, exempt assets, right? Yeah. So the exempted assets, um, which you've just pointed out, which a four hundred one k would fall into an exempted asset. Uh, not all retirement plans, but a four hundred one k would. Um, would fall into an exempted asset, so that would be uh, something that the trustee uh, who oversees the bankruptcy could not grab and force you to sell. Uh, force you to sell um, for the benefit of your creditors. Um, so there's there's actually a variety of exempt, uh, exemptions, and there's uh, Massachusetts and New Hampshire are um, unique in so far that um, you actually have two sets of exemptions that you can use. You have the federal exemptions. Right, so there's a there's a there's a set of federal exemptions that uh, are designed by the the United States uh, government that say you know you can exempt a homestead up to twenty five thousand, uh, an automobile up to four thousand, jewelry up to seventeen hundred, um, personal injury awards up to twenty five thousand, tools of the trade up to twenty five hundred, 401k like you pointed pointed out. Um, social security benefits, alimony and child support, and um, life insurance, right? That wouldn't include whole life insurance, but term life insurance, right? Okay. So those are are the federal, I I just pointed out some of the hot button uh, federal exemptions, right? Now, In Massachusetts, I'm not bound by just using the federal exemptions. I can also use the Massachusetts exemptions, which I quite often do because they're far more favorable when it comes to the things that matter the most. And what do people want to save the most in a bankruptcy? the house right house, yeah well yeah. You, yeah
1: did you say homestead twenty five thousand? that seemed that seemed like a uh... it's it's pretty low <laughs> right yeah, Right. yeah so it's this like in 1970 it... <laughs> uh 1972 right <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah right right when you could get a house for like 50 grand good yeah. luck finding that in massachusetts you know right. yeah yeah so um so oftentimes i'll file a, 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 almost always i'll use the massachusetts exemptions which the homestead would be if I don't, if there's not a filed homestead, which we're always gonna file that special homestead, which is a slip of paper, which we file uh, gets filed with the registry of deeds. Yeah. Even if there's not, so there's an automatic homestead objection of up to $125,000, right? So that's five times what the federal one is. But if I file that piece of paper, right? With the registry, it's then 500,000. So that's uh, what, 10 times the amount. Okay. Um, um, of the sorry 20 times the amount of the the federal exemption so so the idea is is uh most people don't have five hundred thousand worth of equity in their house especially if they haven't bought if they've bought in the past 10 years right so that means that if i use the massachusetts exemptions i can not only save their their uh, several hundred thousand dollar retirement plan right but i can save their house right and they don't have to pay anything out of their house right that's it yeah um so, also related to, to Massachusetts, it's more favorable with the car and automobile. It's uh, seventy five hundred. If you're disabled, it's fifteen thousand. Uh, clothing up to fifteen thousand. Jewelry twelve hundred or so. Books up to five hundred. Deposits of money up to twenty five hundred. Tools of the trade up to five thousand. Um, and then the the other stuff that we discussed before, like social security benefits and things like that. So those are all things that as long as you have less than 2,500 in the bank account, right. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter if you have a million dollars in your 401k and you have a house that, uh, is worth a million dollars and you have a $500,000, uh, mortgage on it, you don't have to give anything back to your creditors, you know, as long as you're making, uh, uh, in the past six months, you're making less than that $70,000 annual. So as long as in the past six months, you've made less than $35,000, you'll qualify for a seven, you'll protect all your assets and you'll be golden, right? Uh, And you won't have to pay any of these. uh, Nothing will get sold of yours. So the analogy that, that, um, and I'm shamelessly lifting this from a, another attorney who I heard, but it's, I think it's a good analogy, which is that the whole point of bankruptcy is, is think of the bankruptcy process as like a bus. And the, uh, the debtor, uh, the client is the passenger on the bus, right? And they get on the bus with a suitcase. And what's in that suitcase? It's all of their assets, right? It's their house, it's their bank account, it's their retirement account, it's their laptop, it's their dog. They wanna make sure that when they go through that bankruptcy process, so three to four months from now, uh, that when they get off the bus, they still have everything in that suitcase. And if I make the determination um by once the de- once the client gives me all of their information, if I make the determination that hey, look, it looks like they're going to lose half their suitcase on this bus, that might be a situation where I say, look, Justin, this isn't right for you. You know, let's let's see what we can do. Uh, let's see if we can hold these creditors off, um, or I may say, look, you don't have an option. These guys are going to foreclose on your house. You're going to lose your house. You got to file for bankruptcy. I'm sorry. You're going to have to pay some people back, but you're going to have to sell. Uh, You're going to have to sell that that uh, that car that you have, you know, Uh, yeah. It, that's worth forty thousand dollars. Maybe you have some rare Mustang or something, right? Like, and that's that's a hard conversation to have because no one wants to sell their boat or their flashy car or something. But uh, you know, the bankruptcy code is what it is, and if it's not exempt, um, you know, the trustee is going to try to grab it and sell it for the benefit of your creditors.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right uh let's see uh, can you talk a bit about well we'll go we'll, we'll kind of redo chapter 7 and, and yeah. 11 and 13 and all that good stuff but um can, can you just tell me who, who's making the decision I mean are you you know you mentioned earlier in the show that it's all electronic now uh is there are, are is a is someone filing for bankruptcy are they ever sitting in front of a judge or you know virtually or otherwise and and is the is, is it just a a set of instructions where you know the you know the the rules state that this is what happens in any bankruptcy and then so someone just looks looks at the numbers and they you know they make a decision based on that or is a you know is a judge kind of weighing in are there is there any kind of uh opinions not the right word but is there any latitude on the outcome depending on you know who is hearing your case or, or if that's even the right term.
2: <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a really good question and the short answer is it's a bunch of people. Okay. Um so the when you file a petition in the bankruptcy court. So a petition is is where again where you list all of your assets, all of your income and you say, look, I'm uh, basically financially destitute, or you don't even have to be financially destitute. You, you just have a lot of debt, right? And and you got to do something about that debt. Maybe it's a bunch of tax debt. Maybe it's a bunch of credit card debt. Maybe it's a bunch of medical debt. Um, you got to do something about it. So you file your petition. Once you file that petition, you immediately get assigned a judge, right? And there's a, there's a few judges in Massachusetts and, um, there's uh, two bankruptcy courts in Massachusetts, there's one in Boston and one in Worcester. Um, so you're gonna get lumped into uh, either the uh, either the Boston court or Worcester, and it will depend on where you are in the state. Um, depending on, um, so so that's the first layer of it. You do have a judge appointed to it. The reality of it is, is that the judge isn't gonna look at your case, right? Unless uh, you raise a bunch of flags or if, uh, you're a multimillion dollar business, or if there's a bunch of creditors who start filing against you, things like that. But in your average consumer bankruptcy, um, the, judge, the judge will be assigned to it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to spend a bunch of time with this judge or not. Okay. Who you're going to spend time with, there are, there are two other potential offices. There's the office of the United States trustee. And the office of the United States trustee is um, they're an entity that's off of the Department of Justice, and they oversee um, the bankruptcy process, they kind of sit silently in the back in like dark smoky rooms and <laughs> they, they only come out the, when the deep when state this is the deep state yeah. it sounds like you're distracted. <laughs> no no they're good they're, it it. Let's just put it this way, you only hear from the United States, uh, the United States trustee if there's something wrong. Um, And it's usually they're, they're there to make sure that the filings are accurate. Um, But the times that you'll hear from them. or if they think that some, some type of malfeasance has occurred, uh, in my experience, or if it's a really big case, but, um, generally you won't hear from them in your average bankruptcy, they'll just kind of sit in the back and I think they review stuff and they make sure that the assets, uh, that the debtor is, uh, listing all of their property. So maybe you'll hear from them if the debtor didn't list the property in the Cape that they own, um, you know, and they'll say, Hey, look, we saw that they live in Lowell, but, there's the same person with the same name who owns property in uh, Nantucket. So is this the is this the same person? Okay. Um, but the person who you're going to be spending the vast majority of the time is um, the bankruptcy trustee. There's trustees everywhere, right? So you no, you have the U.S. trustee and then you have the bankruptcy trustee. They're two different entities. Okay. the 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 bankruptcy trustee is this. Uh, quasi-court officer who's essentially a a hired gun by the court to oversee to make sure that uh, your petition is being filed correctly, uh, that what you put on your petition is accurate, um, and they're there to make sure that if there are uh, any assets uh, left over, they're there to essentially grab them, sell them for the benefit of your your creditors. So- they're very nice people. There's, uh, like 30 of them in the state of Massachusetts. They don't work for the court, right? Um, they're, they're a contract employee who's, who's basically appointed, uh, by the court to review your, your petition. Uh, they're all very nice folks. Uh, but at the same time, they're there, uh, they're not there to be your friend, right? They're there to, uh, make sure that what you're doing is, uh, that you're being as honest as possible and, um, that, uh, that, so basically, keep you honest, and if there's assets, they'll um, uh, they're there to sell them. Um, so they can become adversarial at, at, at times, um, but um, that's that's essentially there, and they're they're kind of the gatekeeper of what you do next. Now, your relationship with the, the bankruptcy trustee is very important because they can you know refer you to the U.S. trustee if they think that something uh, strange is happening, things like that. Um, and 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 they're there. Um, the other very important role that they serve is after you you file for uh, you file your petition. About forty five days after that, you'll get what's called a three forty one hearing. And a three forty one hearing occurs in a chapter seven and in a chapter thirteen. Okay. okay. And in that that three forty one hearing, um, it's sometimes called a creditors meeting too. It's a chance for the trustee to hold a hearing um generally they they would do them in these these offices uh, although everything's went to phone since covid so you just call in now but you're there with other people who have uh filed for bankruptcy right and the trustee is going to ask the debtor uh whether or not it's a business or it's an individual whether or not they're filing for 7 or 13 uh they're going to ask them a series of questions um and they'll ask them questions like why are you filing for bankruptcy um have you ever filed for bankruptcy before and they already know the answers to all these questions before they ask them (laughs) but the whole point is is that they're putting you under oath right like it's not it's not it's it's not a in-court hearing right you're not in front of a judge uh but it is being recorded and anything that you say under oath um You know, the the trustee wants to ask questions about that. They want to make sure things like that you haven't used your credit card, that you didn't rack up a bunch of debt in luxury goods, right, right before you filed for bankruptcy, because trust me, people have tried to do that. It's improper. Um, Or they want to make sure that um, Sean Kelly, the debtor, right before he filed for bankruptcy, didn't um, transfer his house directly to his wife, right? Because that would be inappropriate. That's hiding an asset. So, and people do that. Like you'd go, yeah. who, who in the right mind would do that? Everyone does. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> like there's, there's a lot of people who do that. And I have to have a discussion with the client. Hey, that wasn't such a good idea. Or, you know, and, and that, that will determine whether or not we file or when we file, things like that. But So the 341 he- hearing happens and the trustee asks you a bunch of questions, but it's also called the creditor's hearing because the creditors can show up, right? And okay. most creditors don't show up. But they can show up and ask you questions like um, put this in perspective for you, Justin, when I um, I've showed up on behalf of a, a, a client, a, a creditor client before, uh, particularly uh, there was we represented a, a creditor who was injured in a, um, a fight right okay and so we had a judgment the the person was rendered uh, partially disabled because of the fight so there's this whole injury case that happens we get the judgment against the debtor uh it's it's worth x amount of dollars and then, of course, the debtor they do the one thing that we're scared that they were going to do, and they file for bankruptcy. Right. So then, when we, uh, so then we're we're governed by the federal rules. So then we show up to the creditors' hearing, and I can ask that, um, that debtor questions about, uh, you know, hey, do you own a house in Nantucket? Do you own a house in Lowell? You know, things like that, and the uh, with the sole purpose of trying to either show that this person is hiding assets or that they've essentially that they've been dishonest on their petition, because if they've been dishonest on their petition, then their petition might get denied. And if their petition gets denied, it means that me as the attorney for the creditor who holds a large judgment against this debtor, I get to pursue this guy for life. Right. Like, yeah, so so I have an interest in proving that this person has a, a problem with telling the truth. Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I can certainly see how. Um, yeah. I mean, anything like having your having your debts canceled, right? It's it it seems like it's uh, the kind of thing that people would want to take advantage of if possible. So yeah, I guess you,
2: <laughs> you absolutely some, some yeah.
1: accounting yeah. of everything and get every everything on the record before that happens. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, what? I think we're actually uh, coming up on a break here. So let me let me give out some uh, some contact info because I know we're again we're pre-recording today. Uh, we are not live. Coach Justin is on the soccer field uh, as you hear this, folks. Um, but we're talking to Sean Kelly of Marcotte Law Firm in Lowell. Uh, they can be reached at 978-458-1229 uh, or marcottelawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-C-O-T-T-E, lawfirm.com. If you have any questions for us, um, you can shoot us an email, questions at McNamara on Money. Uh, We'll check that out and get back to you. And if you have questions for Sean as well, uh, we can forward those along for you. So, okay, Uh, we're up against it. Uh, We will be right back.